0: The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, Here's your host, Steve Cass.
1: Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago episode 37. In this episode, we will tell you why the Bears are hopefully going to be better in the future and the White Sox will never be better. You have reached the best place for cigars and Chicago sports. Let me set the scene. We are at 5236 Main Street and Downers Grove, otherwise known as The Place. Inside of The Place, there are the Cigars and Sports Chicago studios. The Place is a cigar lounge. It's a great place to hang out, smoke a cigar, watch a game, relax, talk to us. That maybe is the downside, but we want you to come by The Place at 5236. Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois, the best place for cigars that you will ever find in your life. You can follow us on Twitter, at Cigars and Sports, and you can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I am smoking right now a Avo number 9, and as always, I want to introduce my co-host, Phil Sullivan. Phil, how are you? What are you smoking? How's life? What's going
0: on? Steve, doing great. I'm smoking an Arturo Fuente Signature here. Cigar that I like to to go to, as I've said in the past. But um, more importantly, Steve, sorry you had to fly solo on the last podcast. You did a great job. I'm glad you've been paying attention for quite some time. So you did a pretty good job uh, going solo. Uh, But I'm glad to be back because we certainly have a lot to talk about, or let's put it this way, we have some very important subjects to talk about, and there's only two of them. Uh, I'll let you lead off with one of them, uh, which I think we need to uh, do a little touching on before we hit the big thing of the week, which is the NFL Draft.
1: So the last episode, thank you, Phil, was about how bad the Chicago White Sox are, and here's the amazing thing. That episode was less than two weeks ago, and since then, the White Sox have been 1 and 11, including a 10-game losing streak. And if you remember, I went over a bunch of team stats showing that the White Sox are bad at everything. We also predicted that over the next 13 games, that in a best-case scenario, they might go 4 and 9, um, playing the the Rays and the uh, Minnesota Twins. And that has gone even worse. As I mentioned, they lost 10 games in a row. Um, they finally won a game by complete luck yesterday, scoring um, a bunch of runs in the bottom of the ninth. And this team is terrible. And I want to talk about it for, for a minute. You know, I was at the low point, And the low point was the game on Saturday night. My son and I went. We were there for the Luis Robert not running out the first pitch of the uh, White Sox first inning, getting pulled from the game. Everyone is booing the crap out of the guy. He gets pulled out. They throw Colas in there. And then, amazingly, Lance Lynn brings a no-hitter into the seventh inning. He was absolutely dealing. The White Sox were up 3 nothing, and then all hell broke loose, and... The Rays scored 10 runs in the 7th inning and the White Sox were then down 10 to 3. And I got to tell you, I don't think you could get the experience not being in the ballpark that night. The fans were mad there were all sorts of crazy obscenities. There was this sell the team chant, which we have now added to our intro. I mean, it was just so bad. People were screaming at the players, all making all sorts of defensive mistakes. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And I'm just telling you, this organization is toxic. The culture is terrible. There's a number of guys in this team that I am now convinced do not care. Luis Robert Jr., you know, being one of them. And it's really, really depressing to have this happen in January. And yeah, they won a game yesterday. And did you see the amount of absolute joy that they actually won a game? Andrew Vaughn put it best after the game, after he hit that walk off, where they said, you know, so what do you think? You know, they're asking him how he feels about this, and he's like, hey, we won a baseball game. Isn't that the job every day? Phil, how are you feeling about your Chicago White Sox?
0: You know, it's there's not a team in sports I microscopically follow like I do the White Sox and always have, I've always been at heart a number one a baseball fan. This team is, you can't, like you said, Steve, you can't describe the amount of dysfunction Across every aspect of the game, I'm saying mentally, physically, offensively, defensively, out of position, coaching you name it, this team is pathetically bad. And then, let alone management, don't want to even start up there. It's hard to follow to imagine that they would be 13 games under 500 in April. It's April, and they finished 13 yeah. games under 500. They come back with a miraculous win last night or yesterday, and uh, I started thinking about it after the game. If they go on a miraculous four game winning streak, which I doubt they will do all year because they haven't won two games in a row this year. Yep. But if they go on a miraculous four game winning streak, they will then only be 10 games under 500. Teams have a bad season when they finish 13 games under 500 after 162 games, let alone in April. I see no way this team is going to do much better. They might not do this bad all year, but if they're thirteen games out of five hundred at the end of April, uh it wouldn't surprise me that they end the season with maybe at best sixty wins. This is a really bad baseball team.
1: Yeah, I think this is a hundred loss team. And you know, I think you hit it well. On the last podcast It was interesting because I was going into the stats and basically showing you, hey, this is a really bad team offensively, defensively, you know, just statistically, they're objectively a really bad team, but I've gone a step further now. This is just a rotten and toxic organization from the top down. They have absolutely no idea what they're doing. You know, the minor league system, you know, amazing statistic, Do you know, that over the last five years, the White Sox have the worst winning percentage in the minor league. So they're just training people to be bad. I mean, they just are absolutely horrendous. Rick Hahn has absolutely no idea what he's doing. And then after they bench Robert the other night, they make him face the media with uh, you know with the translator and he doesn't even know the bench coach's name he's referring to him as that guy Charlie Montoya I mean it's like what is going on here and yeah if they go on a 13 game winning streak they'll be back at 500 yeah like that's gonna happen I think this is very possibly a hundred lost team you know when TA comes back They'll probably win some more games because they just seem to be a better team when T.A. is in the lineup. Um, for whatever reason, they have a much, much better record when he's playing. And, frankly, I can't even really quantify why that is. But, I mean, this is just embarrassing. It's just – it's disgusting. I, I don't know what to tell you.
0: Well, you know, something jumped out at me last week as this as this losing streak was at six, seven games. I saw a read a little thing about Kenny Williams was – called on the carpet and Kenny Williams was just saying how disappointed and he didn't expect the season to start this way. But eventually it led to a question. In essence, our head's going to roll and his answer shocked me. His answer was, when it comes to that, that's up to ownership. You know, Kenny, you're the executive vice president of the company, which tells me you are the first guy under ownership. And if your job description doesn't include firing people, then in my mind, your only job is hiring people, and you have sucked at hiring people. So if ownership, in Kenny Williams' mind, is to do the job of firing, in my opinion, the first guy they ought to fire is Kenny Williams, because if his only job is hiring people, he sucks at it. And it's proven, and it's Buddy Hahn ought to go right out the door with him. This team needs to be dismantled from top down, they need to trade guys now, trade them early while they got value. This season is done. I'm telling you, if they're going to wave a white flag, they waved it once early in August when they were three games behind. They ought to wave it now in May. And they ought to get some quality people and start stocking up on their minor leagues. They've got some players that would get them some great value right now. But this team, as it is com- uh, uh, now, is not going anywhere. But they ought to stop it, start right at the top if that's what Kenny Williams said.
1: Well... The unfortunate thing is, and you know I doubt that they will get rid of recon, and I wouldn't trust them to hire another general manager, even if they did. They probably would promote um, Chris Getz, who clearly has done nothing talking about the minor league system, but I don't want them trading guys now because I don't want this administration. Trading guys. Like, I would rather have some people that know what they're talking about. So I don't know what to do about this thing, but, I mean, it's just a disgrace. And you would think at some point, if it gets so bad, that... You know, Jerry Reinsdorf would at least realize this is bad for business and do something about it. As a result of that, if nothing else, but as happy as maybe everyone was for one hour yesterday when they won that game in the ninth, um, we're playing the Twins now, and they go ahead now and get swept by the Twins, or even win two out of three, or lose two out of three. Um, We're going to be right back to the bottom of the barrel, and. Yeah, it, it's, it's just not good. I mean, yeah, no, so now we're in May. The season started in March. They have not won two games in a row, and they haven't won a series. So I don't think that's very good. So you know what, Phil? Why don't we just talk about the NFL, then? How about that?
0: I'm all game with that. I'm ready for the NFL. It's, uh, it's funny. It's uh, you and anybody that knows me. Uh, I wear a baseball hat just about except when I shower in my life. And I usually put a hat on to coincide with the sports season that uh, is currently in with the team that I support the most. So, you know, earlier in March and April, I had the uh, American World Baseball Classic hat, courtesy of you, Steve. Thank you very much. And quickly switched to my White Sox hat when the season started and my White Sox Apple watch band. Both have already been removed. I now have my bear hat on. And my bear watch band, because after the draft between the Bulls and the Hawks and the Sox uh, and the Cubs are, as you, if you know me also, are virtually non-existent in my life. So I'm all Bears. Uh, I can't wait uh, for July to come and August and let's get the thing going because uh the next few months are going to suck watching my teams in Chicago.
1: Let's talk about the draft and we'll talk about the Bears draft picks in a minute. But I want to ask you couple questions first just off the top so number one what did you think about the bears passing on Jalen Carter and I thought it was really interesting because if you looked from a need standpoint the defensive tackle is probably their number one need um, a lot of people had had him from a talent standpoint is ranked the best guy in the draft and I thought it was interesting how he fell to them and you know they flip picks with the Eagles got a fourth for next year and passed on him and I'm not in any way suggesting that I disagree with that, but what would you think about them passing on um, Jalen Carter?
0: You know, I got no problem with it. Uh, I, I know the Bears have a great need on defense. They certainly didn't do a fantastic job addressing it, but on the other hand, they couldn't address it all in one draft that they needed. They've made their bed with Justin Fields. They made that early, and uh, I think they had to definitely – surround Justin Fields uh, with some players, and they certainly did that in this draft. So passing up on Jalen Carter, you know the NFL does a lot of deep dive in the character, um, how this guy's character plays out. I hope, uh, you know, everything in his past stays in his past as uh, young people mistakes that many of us have made, and I hope that young man can move on. He's got a great future ahead of him in the NFL, and I hope he makes the best of it. But uh, I don't look at it as the end of the world that the Bears passed up on him.
1: Yeah, and my take on it is, is that I'm not sure that the Bears could afford to take the risk. And I just think from a culture standpoint that. The Eagles certainly have a veteran, very good culture, you know, to deal with somebody like him, and, you know, certainly there's going to be guys in that locker room, and by the way, there's there's now four guys on that defense that he played with at Georgia, and I think they're going to tell him, hey, this is the way we do things here, hold him accountable. I think it's a really good situation for him, and I was really happy with what the Bears did get, and again, we'll get to that in a minute. So the quarterbacks at the top of the draft, um, obviously Bryce Young, number one, C.J. Stroud, number two, to the Texans, and then Anthony Richardson from Florida to number four to the Indianapolis Colts. What's your take on the quarterbacks? I mean, how do you think that these guys will do? Who do you think will pan out? What's your what's your prediction on the, on the quarterback draft? Because the other thing I think we've learned in the last few years about the NFL draft is that there's really two drafts. There's the quarterback draft, and then there's – the rest of the players' draft. But anyway, so what did you think about the quarterback draft?
0: Uh, you know what? I think you know, they're good quarterbacks. I think you know, Young uh, surprised me. I don't know why this stat slipped past me, but I did not realize that this guy was borderline under six feet tall. They got him right there, 5'11", 5'11 and three quarters. In the NFL, that is rather short for an NFL quarterback in today's offenses. Uh, you know, they said the guy's a pinpoint passer. Well, he's a pinpoint passer against amateur safeties and amateur quarterbacks. Now he's going to play every game against professional safeties and professional quarterbacks. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I I just think his height might hurt him. He's got to step into the pocket. He's got to throw over his own six foot four, six foot five guys, let alone the defensive guys with their arms up. So it'll be interesting. He will run. He will scramble, uh, as most rookie quarterbacks tend to do. So it'll be interesting to see how he pans out. He certainly has the talent just to see how it plays out. I think C.J. Stroud is going to do, I think he's going to do well. Um, But, you know, as we all know, uh, you know, I I go back to the Tom Brady rule. You know, there's a six-round guy, and uh, what did they say about him on draft day? So we'll see how this plays out for these guys.
1: Yeah, I really, you know, first of all, obviously I don't know. I'm not really worried that much about Bryce Young's height. It's just that he's a very small guy. I mean, he's a 180-pound guy, and it's going to be interesting to see how he takes hit and hits. He is a tremendous passer, um, and I think he'll do really well. I mean, he's been in the SEC, certainly played with you know tons of guys who are going to be in the league. I, I think that he has the potential to be a very, very good player. C.J. Stroud, I don't know. I mean, I, I like him a lot physically, but I think the interesting thing is this Anthony Richardson, who is arguably the best pure athlete in the draft and will be one of the best pure athletes in the entire NFL. I mean, the guy's amazing but completed 56% of his passes at Florida, um, didn't win anything. And to me, that's a very interesting reach. I mean, clearly the guy's got potential. I'm going to need to get coached up. I, I hope that they don't decide to start him at least in the beginning of the year because I think he's going to need some development. And by the way, if I were the Colts, I probably would have taken him, too, because, you know, we talk about the quarterback draft. They were desperately in need of a young quarterback. He was the best thing there, so I don't really blame them, but I don't know how that's going to really work out. That may end up being a tough one, but not not sure. Thoughts on what the Bears did, and I guess I want to start out, the number one pick, and it's amazing because... I actually picked this correctly when I made my my draft board pre-draft odds. I actually had Darnell Wright as my favorite to be their first pick at two to one. Now, before you get too excited about that, um, as you know and people who know me, Phil, when you make a prediction basically on every single thing that's going to happen every day, every once in a while you're going to get something right. So I'm not giving myself too much credit, but I did pick that one right. And I really like this guy. I like the idea that they like Braxton Jones at left tackle. Statistically, Braxton Jones was actually good last year, um, regardless of what we think. And he was the uh, the NFL all-rookie, tackle of the year last year so how bad could he have been um, he grades really well so you know what if you're comfortable that he's your left tackle leave him at left you get the darnell Wright, who is just a monster beast at right tackle you know will cart or, or uh, will anderson said he was the best offensive lineman that he faced he gave up zero sacks all of the 2022 season so i feel really good about this guy and um, i'm really happy with what they did on that
0: Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, You know, offensive tackles typically drafted in the top ten of the NFL usually start their rookie year. So I don't expect anything less from this guy. One thing that surprised me, he had a uh, RAS. Now, if you're wondering what RAS is, it's uh, no different than me when I pick up the paper every day. I think every sport adds a couple more initials to some analytic stat, and I almost got to Google them now to keep track of them all. But it's the relative athletic score. His athleticism is off the charts. This guy, he was third in the entire combine, you know, in that score. And then another uh, interesting stat I found, he's 44th out of 1,287 offensive tackles taken since 1987 when they went back for relative athletic scores when they started putting that on to all the past guys. So, I expect this guy to do great things, uh, stay healthy, don't get injured. I agree with you, you know, leaving Braxton Jones at left tackle, leave him where he's at. I think that guy's going to improve. So uh, I think the Darnell Wright was a great pick for the Bears.
1: Yeah, I feel very, very good about that. And, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the RAS, and I think that's really interesting. I had not seen the um, – I'm aware of it, but I would not seen the statistics related to him. But a lot of commonalities – in the guys that the Bears picked and they're all extremely athletic, extremely long, extremely fast sort of relative to their position. And one of the things I like that they did was that they knew that they needed pass rushers and they did not take a pass rusher in the entire draft which basically tells me that whoever was the highest guy on their board when their pick came up that they just went out and got him and i really like that because i like the idea of building depth because if i would have told you before the draft that the bears are going to take they're going to take a running back a wide receiver, and a linebacker, those probably would have been three positions that you would have said, no, thank you, we don't need that. The two defensive tackles... I like both of them, you know, a lot. I mean, who knows what the deal is with this Jervon Dexter from Florida and Zach Pickens from South Carolina, um, both SEC guys, both again extremely athletic, you know, can move all over on the, you know, on the defensive line to, you know, fill that hole in the three technique. Both have pass rushing ability, so you know, feel really good about those guys. Um, you look at the receiver situation, and I'll tell you, the Bears have improved their receivers a lot this off season. Obviously, you know, first of all, with, uh, you know, with DJ Moore and they go in the fourth round, which is a relatively high pick and take this guy, Tyler Scott. From Cincinnati, who is a small burner, guys, you know, five nine one seventy seven, you know, four three two forty, and is you know, go and look at this guy's video. He is he is absolutely gonna be very, very entertaining to watch because the guy has just got burner speed. And I love the fact that they are creating competition at those at those positions. Because if you consider the fact that, for example, with the receivers. They've obviously got d j Moore, who's a one. they've got Mooney and Claypool uh you know they already had that completely rookie year failure, Valus Jones, and then they go out and get Tyler Scott. I mean there's not going to be enough balls for all those guys. And, you know, I I love the fact that they're just creating competition and they're saying, hey, if our third round pick, Valus Jones, you know, this year gets cut in training camp, then he does. And if this guy, Tyler Scott, beats him out, he does. And I think there's nothing better than on a young team to have positional competition and you weren't going to fix it all in one year anyway. So I like the fact that they went out and got the best guys.
0: Well, and I agree with you, they did get the best guys, but it was certainly obvious to me that they loaded up on offense. And, you know, here's my opinion on that. The Bears announced early they were all in on fields. What they didn't say is they were all in on fields for the next 10 years. They're all in on fields for next year, for sure. So they loaded that team up and loaded up that offense because if Fields does not come around in his third year and, and cannot quite make it, the Bears are really nicely set up to address the quarterback situation next year in the draft if they want to make a change, and they'll be ready for that. And he's going to have to pull out all his skill levels by not addressing defensive needs. You're going to see Fields this year very well have to pass himself into games or keep the Bears into games. So he's going to have to improve on these skills. The Bears gave him everything they possibly could with this draft. That's the the, the take I took out of it. I mean, if you look at this first pick, you know, they gave away the first pick, and we discussed earlier, Steve. Look what they got. They got D.J. Moore. They got Darnell Wright. They got a 224 1st first-round pick from Carolina that very well could be a top-ten pick. They got a twenty twenty three second second-round pick this year. They got a 2024 4th fourth-round pick. They did a – I think they did a – polls did a fantastic job. Uh, manipulating that number one pick. Yeah, he turned
1: that number uh, one pick into a lot. And you also, you know, you're talking about um, Nate Davis. Sorry to jump in. You're talking about, um, you know, things for for fields. They also got that Nate Davis from Tennessee, that guard. Um, So they've really remade the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line, you know, if Tevin Jenkins is healthy and if you assume, I guess, that Cody Whitehair plays center, they have the potential to have an excellent offensive line. They've got... I mean, they've got tons of weapons. You know, I mentioned the receivers. They've got two highly credible tight ends. I mean, they've got some guys. Now, I'm not telling you they're going to have the best offense in the league, but if you take a look at the talent on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side, to be fair, they've got a hell of a lot more talent than they finished you know, the, the 2022 season with. So I think it's really exciting. And I think you make a lot of good points there. You know, how did you feel about the running back from Texas? Kind of interesting, Roshan Johnson. He was uh Bijan John Johnson's backup. The guy's a former four-star quarterback. He's big. Um, he does not have top end speed, but he can break tackles, great character guy. You know, I've watched a ton of video on all these guys, and you know, this guy looks really interesting, you know, four phase special teamer. That should be fun to watch. And again, I like the depth. You know, I like the fact that um, they went and got you know two corners, including this corner that they traded up for in the in the second round, Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. You know he's tall, he's physical, he's fast. You know he originally came um, you know from uh, from the University of Georgia and then transfer portaled to Miami. And again, I have no idea if he's going to be good or not, but they like him, and I like the fact that you know they've got Kyler Gordon but they're going to apparently move him to the inside, give this guy an opportunity to play on the outside. They didn't have to take a corner that high, but they thought they could get a guy that was a really good guy, and they went out and got him. And I just like the depth
0: aspect of it. I do. They did a good job. I think this, uh, you, know, you know, I wonder, when I was talking about analytics, I thought it was interesting. You know, the third-round pick, uh, what's his name, Pickens. Zach Pickens. Pickens from, Zach Pickens from South Carolina. I think he was 64th pick. The Bears actually did a bone density study on him, and they actually found that he is still growing. So I thought that was uh, a pretty interesting little fact that I read about, that the Bears did a bone density study on the guy. So uh, that could be interesting. But how about this for a sleeper, Steve? Uh, We didn't talk about when we were saying that how they loaded up the offense. What do you think of the Oregon linebacker they took in the fifth round?
1: Yeah, Sewell.
0: Sewell or Sewell,
1: whatever. Yeah, Sewell. He's got actually two brothers in the league um, Noah Sewell. You know, I think it's an interesting pick. You know, and I, I think he's going to have an opportunity to play. Certainly got a, certainly got a pedigree. Um, he was very productive in 2021, and for whatever reason, I think they viewed him as more of a pass rusher in 2022, and he seemed to be less productive. But I think it's interesting, and I think you make a really good point because, again, they went out and spent a lot of free agent money in the linebacker room and they went and loaded up and got another linebacker and they got him because obviously, I mean, he's going to play special teams, but I think he's going to have an opportunity to start or to potentially play a lot.
0: Yeah, I watched some of his clips. The guy's a, he's kind of an animal out there. He's a blitzy machine. He loved the blitz. He loves to come around the outside and almost like a defensive end type where he uh, swings his way around. So, you know, he'll be an interesting pick. But, and another thing we haven't addressed that I think the Bears need to now concentrate on is they got to do some signings of their existing guys. I think they need to do some early signings yeah. of a few guys to cement a few things in. You know, you look at uh, Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet, Darnell Moody. These guys are, I think, Johnson and Komet are only 24 years old. Darnell Moody's only 25. You know, these are three young corner pieces of this team that could really, really pull this team together. And I think by getting some early signings done and getting these guys out of the way, will uh, definitely benefit the Bears.
1: You bring up a really good point because Ryan Poles has managed the salary cap so well that I'm worried that he won't spend any money now. I am becoming very concerned about that, and I do agree with you. You know, Certainly in the case of Jalen Johnson and Komet, I would like to sign those guys, and they're both going to be free agents, so you're going to have to compete for them in the open market if you don't sign them. You know, Mooney, you know, we talked about a crowded wide receiver room. I'm not sure we know how healthy he is, but if he get a deal, I would probably sign him as well, but yeah, I agree with you. I would sign all three of these guys right now, and I just think it's a good culture thing because if those guys know that they're going to be here, they're going to care more about the results of the team. They're going to care about you know how their teammates play. I, I just hopefully they will do that, and there's plenty of time to do that. So I'm not I'm not necessarily worried about it yet. But I would be very disappointed if they didn't sign two of those three guys. I mean, Jalen Johnson, corners who can play are pretty difficult to come by. Obviously, he's had some injury issues. Um, but, you know, I would sign all three of those guys and make them cornerstones of this team, as you suggest. I mean, we'll have to see what happens, but I, you know, I like it. So, um, agree with you.
0: Very cool. So, Steve, yeah. I'm going to catch you off guard here regarding the Chicago okay. Bears. Uh, move, moving in the next year, I think you're going to handle what I'm about to throw at you and our listeners. I guarantee you I did not discuss this with Steve. So going into next year, Steve, I could easily ask you, how do you think the Bears are going to finish or what do you think their record's going to be? But I'm going to throw a little lightning round at you, Steve, and I'm going to see what you're going to do. I'm going to go down to Bears' schedule. I'm going to go down at home and away. I looked at it. The Bears only play six games against teams winning records from last year. And that's the nine and eight Lions. They're going to play twice. The thirteen and four Vikings. They're going to play twice. And then the Chiefs and the Chargers. I'm going to rattle off the rest of the teams. None of them had winning records. But I'm going to go down this list. I'm going to say to you, Steve. Lions, two games. How do they do? Split. Like uh, Packers, two games. Split. Okay. Uh, Vikings, two games. Lose both. See, I don't think so. I think they're gonna. I think they'll split the Vikings, and I think they'll beat the Packers twice. And I think the Lions they'll split with. I don't think the Lions are what they think they are. I think they're a decent team, but I think they're gonna level off. And I think the Vikings. I realized something from last year: the Vikings had a point to for a negative point differential last year. So that's gonna be interesting to see if they yep. play against the Bears, improved offense, and to see how they go. So I don't know if the Vikings are gonna be as good as they think they were last year, but we'll go from there. So now we're gonna move on. Home games, Steve. Falcons. Win. Okay. Panthers. Well they
1: better win that damn game because that's a draft pick game, you know, meaning that they need the right. they need the Panthers to lose every possible game, so I'll say win.
0: Okay. And then uh, five and twelve Broncos. Lose. Wow. Six and eleven Raiders from last year lose, and the four and thirteen Cardinals from last year win. So you don't think they'll beat the Broncos or the Raiders? That's interesting. All right, moving on to away games. The Chiefs. We know what that is.
1: Um, that is that is going to be um, in Germany. I'll give that a loss.
0: Okay, the Chargers loss. Seven and ten Saints. Uh, Win. Eight and nine Buccaneers. Win. The eight and eight Washington Commanders. Loss. Last but not least, the seven and ten Browns.
1: Loss. So what do I have for a record?
0: Seven and ten, I believe.
1: Well, that probably makes sense because if you ask me right now, I would say seven, eight, nine games, something like that. You know, nine is probably high. That's about what I think, you know, I mean, anything could happen. I mean, they don't have a particularly difficult schedule, like weird things could happen. You know, I'm still very worried about the defense. You know, we got to get some pass rushers. You know, a number of these rookie tackles um, are going to actually have to play and play fairly well. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the, to me, that sounds about right for what I think now, 7-10. and 10.
0: Yeah, I was just surprised when I was going over it that, you know, they've got uh, 11 games outside their division, and only two of those 11 games are against teams that have winning records later. Yeah, well, that's so, obviously
1: you know, the great thing about the NFL schedule is that when you're the worst team, you get the weakest strength of schedule outside your division. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely an opportunity. I mean, certainly looking at the schedule, you could see that, a miracle could happen, and they could win nine or ten games. I'm not going to predict that, or I'm not going to predict it, on, predict it on May 1st. But it is interesting.
0: Yeah, and and as far as their division, you know, it's it's kind of funny. They could easily end up first as easily as last. It'll be a coin toss. You know, we don't know how Jordan Love's going to play. I I, I don't think he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre, certainly uh, from that organization. Uh, we just don't know how he's going to play. Like I said, I think the Lions have done some good things in the last few years, but I think they still have a lot to prove. And you know, the Vikings were they uh, a freak at thirteen and four last yeah, year? Yeah, they were a freak.
1: I don't think they're are they, or,
0: or are they on their way up? I don't. know. I don't
1: think they're a terrible team, but I don't think they're a thirteen and four team.
0: No, I don't think so either. But so you know, the Bears you just these picks in this draft and where they went with it. You know, who knows how this this could really, really be uh, an exciting uh, next half a decade or so for the Bears uh, or, you know, it could be once again uh, Bears bus time. But we'll see. Well, I, I do like what polls did. Well, of
1: course, this is coming from the two guys who thought a couple of years ago that Rick Hahn was a genius. So we'll have to see what happens. But um, but I do agree that it should be um, it should be entertaining. And at least it gives us something to look forward to, because it's unfair. The, the Chicago sports situation, it's just unfair. We have the worst teams. I mean, I actually feel sorry for myself a little bit. I mean, it's like, could we please have a winning team for, for something? I mean, it's just not, it's not fair. Even our producer, Bear, he gets the Knicks to advance to the second round of the playoffs. I mean, good God, could we just have a winning team?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to watch, and especially now with the Sox starting off so bad. This is a, a black hole in sports, uh, except, uh, you know, if you like basketball and hockey, uh, certainly last night we had some uh, exciting sports. I mentioned it to you that we had three uh, first-round Game 7 playoffs last night, which I locked into all three of them. Uh, you know, the Warriors won. Uh, I think a lot of people may have predicted that, how they went into the playoffs as a seven-seed You know, uh, it was just a rough season for him. But uh, to watch uh, the Boston Bruins, who had the best regular season record in the history of the NFL, history. And to see them lose in the first round uh, was something in a Game 7. And then, of course, Steve, your son's favorite team in the world, the Kraken, pulled out of Game 7 playoff win in the first round of the NHL playoffs. Which, by the way, sports fans, my opinion, the best playoff sport to watch, period is NHL hockey. So uh, follow that for the next month and a half, and uh, if you're a Sox fan, you'll get through, and you'll get through to a football season.
1: Phil, you made a hell of a lot of good points tonight. I think we're done.
0: Great show. All right, all good.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. We'll talk to you on episode 38.
0: Come on, under the willow We can have high times if you look back
1: We can discover the wonders of nature
0: Rolling in the rushes down by the riverside